Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arena Craft Podcast, a show in which we discuss exclusively Magic the Gathering Arena. My name is Arjuna, I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined today by one of the world's premier experts on the lake effect, inside joke, don't read too much in on it, it is Kova Go Blue. How are you doing today, my friend? Hi, today the lake effect is completely off the chain and just keep ignoring the inside joke as I describe the lake effect, discuss the lake effect and make people feel totally left out by not knowing what we mean by lake effect. (laughs) Okay, so this is funny CGB because I feel like in some ways there's a lot going on in the arena world and in other ways I feel like there's very little going on in the arena world and I don't know if that's just the experience of having a format solidify or kind of like not get shaken up a whole lot or what it's hard for me to exactly put my finger on it but we're definitely gonna we're gonna talk about a number of different aspects of what we're seeing lately and i think we're also gonna just cover some like higher level concepts today just because there were things that came up that we've been thinking about lately so cgb where do you want to start with this show i know that you had a topic that you wanted to bring up for our listeners before we got into the meat of things. Yeah, I I feel like you set it up perfectly. It's like, this week in the arena, there's a lot going on, and there isn't much going on. It feels like there's always something going on. Okay, I'm going to be real. going to get real real. You ready for the real real? Oh, I was born ready. Mm, Standard isn't particularly great at the competitive level. What? Right this yeah i know at least not for me um but uh, we try to make a positive podcast here we talk about what's going on in magic and i can always like i can always talk about magic i can talk about the tiniest variations in these competitive decks and why they might be this and why they might be that i'm really excited about it but i'm also like i want to do a little soapbox talk because i've had a lot of people reach out to me and be like nothing really changed in standard they're all playing the same decks i'm having a hard time getting to mythic this is not a lot of fun that i've had on ladder and i know why and a lot of people i don't think know why so i wanted to share what i know it's so we right now have standard at the largest it's going to be in this particular block until rotation in September, four sets are going to leave. Until that happens, it's it's eight set standard. Every set that gets introduced, most of the set is, you know, bad. Most of the set is unplayable in, in competitive, and a small amount is. But when a set goes into like a four set standard, when it's the fifth set, like Eldraine was last year, and like Zendikar will be this year in the fall, a lot more of that set gets played. Because it's a much bigger set. There's a lot more cards that you're going to that are going to have to have an impact, that are going to have to fit into decks, because we lost four sets, we gained one. So it's like you might see twenty percent of that set get played in standard. And then the next set that comes in, you might see like I'm just throwing out numbers, but to give you an idea of the staircase effect, like 15% of the set that comes out in January might get played. And then in next April you might see more like ten percent making an impact. Well, by the time you get to a set standard and you get to these core sets, it's a really small impact. So not much 
of M21 is changing what's already broken about the format, which means that all of our new decks, all of our brews, the things that I like to do and the thing that, that most Magic players like to do, our pet decks, all those things, they're so much worse because people have already figured out all the good things. So unless you are in love with casting Explosion for 100 every chance you get, or unless you are completely in love with Hydroid Crisis and Nyssa until, you know, your opponent taps from into submission, unless you love those things, you're probably struggling with current meta and ladder. And that's okay. I, I'm here to tell you, this isn't the worst time ever to take a break, a break from ranked if you're just sick of playing the same things over and over. And Magic, you have to figure out how to have fun. It's, I say this all the time, it's your job to have fun playing Magic. It's not your opponent's job to play a deck that will make you happy. It's your job to make sure that you're having fun playing Magic. So if you need a break from ranked or something like that, I totally understand. I want to tell the viewers, like if you're struggling getting to Mythic because your deck isn't performing in this environment, that's normal. Like, 8-set standard is uh, it's tough to crack. There isn't a ton of variety. Last year this time, if you remember, M20 actually introduced some new Tier 1 cards, which was pretty rare for a core set. We got Soren for Vampires. Remember, we got uh, Field of the Dead and Escape Shift, right? Those were two Tier 1 decks for several months. And Kethis combo came out like right in the last month of eight set standard, which surprised everybody. That was really unexpected. People still hated that format. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like it actually did have churn and new mm. tier one strategies and people were still sick of it. I remember because I made content the whole time and every week people were like, Oh, so lame. And I, I also covered the, um, MPL. They had the league, the MPL league last year and I had to cover it for Tempo Storm. There were weeks where seven out of eight players played vampires. And then the next week, seven out of eight players played Kethis. Like, like, can you yeah. imagine covering those mirrors all day? Like, <laughs> like having to write about every single match. I get it. Eight set standard is freaking broken. And this one, this particular one, M21 didn't shake it. Not really. Uh, it just kind of made Bant better, is what I would say. And we'll get more into that. So if ranked ain't your thing, that's okay. I just wanted to let the people know. I have to let myself know this every now and then because it's taking me a while to get to Mythic. Usually it's not this difficult, but I try to play a different deck every day, get to Mythic. That's freaking hard right now. So uh, that's my soapbox. I just want to say that if you're having struggles with it and you're wondering what's wrong with this standard, like eight set standard, it gets this way. I pretty much expect it to happen. I plan for it. I plan to take a lot more time outside this time of year because I know I'm probably going to get a little tired of the meta at some point. Yeah, I, I think it's it's an important thing to get reminded of all the time. And I mean, it's it's a tough ask to make a game that's going to feel fresh and entertaining to every player every day of the year. So, you know, I, I, I think that it's not that it's unreasonable to want your game to feel fun, but it's just that I think that there are inevitably going to be dips in in you know various players' engagement, various dips in just the structure of the format and how it's set up. So I don't think that that's necessarily super radical. I like that you're focusing on you know people having agency over their fun, right? People making their own decisions about how they want to engage with the game, and 
Yeah, I think that if you want to be playing at the top tables every week in Magic, it's just, you know, it's not going to be it's not going to be all fun and games all the time. And so like we all have to choose which side of that we want to be on. But as you like you would say there's always draft and there's always brawl. There's always time to visit historic. There's also time to I don't know, study up on some game, watch some old pro tours, like read some books. Get some podcasts, you know what I mean? Yeah. Prepare for the next rotation. I love it. Yeah. You know, I've just, I've been watching a lot of my favorite streamers lately. You know, it's like if I'm feeling uninspired and standard, a lot of times I'll just turn on Twitch and see who's playing and, you know, see, see what's going on. One of the things that this brings up for me, and it actually dovetails into a conversation that I wanted to have on the podcast is that I think one of the reasons that Standard is feeling so stale at the moment is that a lot of what M21 introduced were just cards that fit into existing archetypes. And I think that that really lends to the feeling of staleness. So like for like you were talking about the M20 Standard or Eldraine, both of those sets introduced a lot of cards which spawned new archetypes. And... You know, and of course that has its own challenges, right? Like as we saw with Eldraine, people weren't didn't necessarily end up thrilled with all of the archetypes that came out of that set because they were just busted and annoying for various reasons. But what we're seeing in this set is really just people taking existing archetypes and fitting new cards into them. And I think one of the reasons for that is that what we see a lot of in Standard right now is we have these really powerful enabler packages. And a lot of what I've seen in M21 is is cards that, uh, you know, there's, there's a mix of enablers and payoffs, but I would say that there's more payoffs overall in this set than like totally fresh new enablers. And so let me give you an example. Like one one enabler package that we've just been seeing ever since it was introduced really is the cat oven package. And, you know, a lot of people have spoken a lot about this. We don't really need to go into it. But suffice it to say that that was a two-card combo of cheap, these, you know, one-mana cards that you that have a strong enough interaction and create enough room for synergy that you can build multiple archetypes based on top of it. So it's it's interesting because it's kind of innocuous. Like you look at these two cards and neither of them seems particularly broken. And maybe they're not even broken technically at all, but they're so good and they enable so many interactions that we're still playing them and we're still seeing them at the top of the tables. And um, let's talk about just some other kind of enablers. And this is kind of a soapbox for me is, you know, a lot of people have been talking lately about Growth Spiral and how powerful of a card that is. And again, it's it's another, it's just kind of innocuous. It's that you pay two mana, you draw a card, you can put an extra land into play if you want to. And it doesn't seem on the face of it to be the kind of a card that could just totally warp a format. But I think what, these kind of enablers brings me to is like what's really important in magic i mean there are a lot of things that are important in magic but i think if we look at a lot of the cards that get um banned restricted 
and basically cause trouble in formats. One of the underlying threads is that cheap cards that enable busted strategies tend to get the axe first. So we'll give you a couple of examples. Faithless Looting was banned in Modern. Um, that's a cheap card which lets you discard cards and, and draw cards. Arkham's Astrolabe is right now, and of course that's not on Arena, but that's a card which has just been making waves in multiple formats. Again, it's just a cheap mana enabler, which it's it's subtle, but it kind of warps the effect of the game. There's a reason cards like Ponder and Preordain have been restricted or banned or limited in various formats, because they're again, they're cheap cards that give you the ability to basically stack the top of your deck and have a lot of control over what you draw. And so it came up on the podcast a little while ago, and I thought that I just wanted to revisit it, was comparing the card Growth Spiral with the card Hydroid Crisis. I just I asked the simple question on Twitter, and it was, which is more powerful, Hydroid Crisis or Growth Spiral? Oh boy, do we have results? We do have results, and I'm actually, let me pull them up here. So now admittedly, this wasn't a massive sample size. We ended up with 46 votes from my post. And do you want to take a rough estimate, CGB, at the percentages? Oh man, I'm going to be wrong. (laughs) No, this is actually, this is Is pretty hard. I'm going to go with a, watch, I'm probably going to say numbers that don't even add up to 100. I'm going to go with a 62 versus 30. 38% 38% for crisis. So in favor of crisis. Well, it's weird because I think that if the last two months hadn't happened and every pro in the world weren't talking about how broken growth spiral is, I think that in the dark, crisis would win. So it's a question of how in tune with Magic Twitter yeah. your audience is. Yeah. Well, so now I'm not sure. <laughs> so, and this may reflect on the fact that people have been paying attention to Magic Twitter. Yeah, I was. I, I'd say if I did that on YouTube, I think like if I put that poll on the YouTube, yeah, on my audience, I think I'd see numbers like that. But I'm curious, what you get? All right. So what we ended up with was 87 percent voted in favor of Growth Spiral being the more powerful card. Yeah, so that leaves okay. a sum total of 13 percent of people. Who thought that Hydroid Crisis was the stronger card? And I just, I think that this is really interesting. And I think that if you were to line up the pros and ask them this question, they would probably unanimously pick Growth Spiral as the more powerful card. And I just think that this is interesting. And I, it, I think that it gives us room to get a little bit of education on what's actually strong in Magic. Because I think that we get so used to looking at payoffs as being what's strong in magic. Like, you look at Ugin. I mean, Hydroid Crisis is a payoff. You look at cards like Korvald, or like you look at the Great Henge in in the mono green decks. These are just examples of cards that are like three to five times stronger than any other card on the battlefield when you resolve them, right? And so we think of these cards as the cards that define our format. But I think what you actually tend to see defining formats when you really start to look at the decks, when you really start to piece it out and think about why decks tick and why decks get from one turn to another able to enact their game plans, it's because of cards like Growth Spiral. It's because of cards like Light Up the Stage. It's another really, really excellent example of a card where... 
you know, when that card rotates out of the format, red decks are suddenly going to realize just how much they've been leaning on cards like light up the stage to give them the extra fuel to make it through a game of magic. So why is Growth Spiral so good? One of the simple answers to that question is that being able to go from two mana to four mana in a single turn has a very, very profound effect on a game of magic. And I think that being able to do that multiple turns in the beginning of a game gets you to a place where, and I'm sure that we've all had this experience where you're playing against a Simic deck and you're playing, you know, Rakdos or something like that. And you have three lands on the battlefield and they have like six to eight lands on the battlefield. And you're just looking across the table and you're thinking, how did we get there? And then, and then be of all like, how do I ever keep up? Like, how do I ever keep up with this mana advantage? And I think cards like Growth Spiral, cards like Fires of Invention, cards like Wilderness Reclamation, um, cards like Arkham's Astrolabe, these cards are cards that give, they just give you more gas. It's, it's like, imagine if you're in a, you know, you're run, running a race, you're doing like Formula One racing or something like that. And your race car has a 10 gallon gas tank, which is not realistic. I don't know. I don't know what kind of gas tanks we're looking at, but let's say your car has a 10 gallon gas tank and your opponent's car has a 20, 20 gallon gas tank. They're just, they're going to have more gas. They're going to have more to work with in every game. And so, you know, no matter how efficiently you race, no matter how good you are, no matter how tightly you take your turns, no, you know, you could be the most talented race car driver ever. But if your opponent only has to stop for half the pit stops that you have to stop for over the course of a long race, they're just going to have such a massive advantage. And so this is why you and I talked so much on this show about card advantage is important in Magic, but mana advantage and tempo advantage have really predominated our standard format because if you're able to get to six mana while your opponent's still on three or four mana, you you just have such a greater ability to affect the game. And I think that that's why we see so many decks in the current meta, like Wreck, for example, Wilderness Wreck and Bant, two of the top decks, are able to enact their game plans because they're able to go from two lands to four lands so consistently and get their high impact permanents out. And you could remove Krasis from those lists and people would hardly bat an eyelid. You know, they'd be like, oh, well, I'll just play something else. I'll just play four mana to fairy. I'll just play some other card that gets me card advantage. It wouldn't gut the archetype. Whereas if you remove Growth Spiral from any of these bant lists or any of these team erect lists, you're working with a whole, it's a whole different outlay on how they're going to get from the early stage to the mid stage to actually enact their game plan. Because, you know, they're not playing like one mana blockers. You know what I mean? They're not even playing that many removal spells, right? And so for them to be able to bridge that gap between the early game to the mid game, they would be lacking a massive part of the equation. So anyway, I don't know. I've just, I've spouted off a bunch here, but I wonder if you have any thoughts to, to help us understand this concept. So I have a number, and I think that I think this is really interesting. So a uh, few things about Gross Spiral, first of all. We often, you might compare it to a card called Explore. So Explore is an old magic card, and Explore is a sorcery for one in a green that lets you play an additional land this turn and draw a card. Sounds very familiar. 
In fact, it's exactly Gross Spiral, except Gross Spiral has blue in the mana cost instead of generic, which is a point in Explorer's favor, and Gross Spiral is an instant, which actually does matter a lot. Um, so Gross Spiral is probably the superior card, but Explorer could go in more decks. Explore had a reasonable format effect, but I don't think anybody was calling it out the way that they're calling out Gross Spiral, because in my opinion, while Gross Spiral is an excellent card, and it, it does go in more places, and pretty much all of the places that can cast it, whereas Krasis may or may not, I think that the power of Gross Spiral is tied to the power of the format. There was a, there was a time. I'm going to tell the children about something. Come, come sit next to the fire, both Grandpa CGB. There was a time where you would play magic, you would try to curve out, you would get the mana for your spell, you would cast your spell. If the opponent had a removal spell, they'd remove it. If they didn't, they'd cast another spell that would kind of face off with your spell. You would both play cards until all the cards were played from your hand, inking out minor advantages with bluffs and with these tiny like value plays along the way. If somebody did have a way to draw two cards a turn, like, oh my god, a GM Day Tome, an artifact that for four mana tapped to draw a card, or in more modern times, Tireless Tracker, which created a clue for every land that you played you could sacrifice clues to draw cards that would break those stalemates and it was what a lot of magic revolved around was who had these card advantage tools in a time like that gross spiral would be good you would be playing slightly bigger cards than your opponent earlier but you would still have to have the card advantage in the end game because eventually unless you're power unless your cards were just so powerful you could just walk over the opponent eventually card advantage would still win the day this format is not that format because now card advantage is on every freaking card in every color on every freaking card that is playable there's some level of card advantage you the card you compared it to hydroid crisis is such a perfect example of this one of the reasons growth Growth Spiral is so freaking powerful is because no matter how much mana you have, you have something to do with it. You have something amazing to do with it. And, and Hydroid Crisis, to me, was the first card that busted this whole thing open of we never run out of things to do. Because if we have more mana, we can just make a bigger Crisis. I mean, I'm playing with freaking Mono Green. Yeah, yeah, I, I was playing Mono Green today. <laughs> yeah, just react. Go ahead, get yes, it out. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank I, you. I was playing Mono Green today. I had Nissa in the deck. I had the Castle Garenbrig in the deck. I never ran out of stuff to do with my mana. I'm eating things with Scavenging Ooze. I'm making the largest stone coil serpent in the history of time. I'm putting counters on Growth Chamber Guardians. Don't don't start. We don't need to go there. Okay, um, all right. But, I mean, it's it's just, that's it, right? There's some kind of card advantage or things to do with mana baked into all of these cards. And in that context, like Growth Spiral getting you more resources faster, Uro getting you more resources faster, and then you always, have, always, always have more to do with those resources, that's what decides games. That's where the power level lies. It is in the format. Like you said, they could get rid of Hydroid Crisis, and it wouldn't change much. Now, if they got rid of Hydroid Crisis, Uro, Shark Typhoon, and a list that goes on and on and on, like all these ways to get card advantage off all permanents that are relevant... Well, maybe someday somebody will cast a Gross Spiral, and then maybe all we do is play a Siege Rhino a turn earlier, and if the opponent has a removal spell, we have a chance to stabilize. But this snowball format that was created 
with hydrate crisis, growth spiral, and Nyssa, it's like you can't miss a beat because the opponent's never going to run out of things to do. And if they get to start hitting you before you start hitting them, no amount of removal, no spot removal, no sweeper will, will catch you up. Because as soon as you deal with their threat, down comes another one that draws three more cards and they just keep going. They're ahead. How do you get back in the game? You know, that's why it's all tempo now. So I, I think that it's interesting that the growth spiral alert, growth spiral became such a powerful enabler. But if you were to ban growth spiral, it would slow these decks down. But the strategy, I think, would remain the same. They just have to actually survive the early turns honestly, which right now they don't even bother. They don't even, they just pretend the early turns don't exist because they can ramp right through them at no cost. You know, Growth Spiral replaces itself. They're not down a card. If they get swept, you can't interact with Growth Spiral with anything short of a counter spell. You can't even do that if they put Teferi on the board. It's... That, that's what Growth Spiral is. It's, it's this way directly through the early game to this mid-late game where they never run out of gas. Yep. And I, I just think that more than anything and more than focusing on the one specific card, what I want people to take away from this conversation is that when you look at a deck list and, and you notice which cards stand out to you, it's very possible that the the cards that that are kind of like, oh, that's interesting, or oh, that seems powerful. It's very possible that those cards aren't actually the cards that are making the deck tick. Oh my god, CGB, it has Sublime Epiphany. <laughs> CGB! CGB Sublime Epiphany's in the deck, CGB! Oh yeah, it's a four growth spiral deck. It doesn't matter what the six mana play is. <laughs> That's it. That's it. In fact, you know, I tested the theory. So this just yesterday, I made Mythicum best of one playing a Simic Sublime Epiphany deck. Moment for a moment. Round of applause. Hold on. Everybody stop what you're doing. Pull your car over on the side of the road. Got a Mythic Gamer in here. Some Mythic Gamer in the house. Good job. What I wanted to highlight was that you could look at the deck list and be like, oh, that's cool, or, you know, or whatever, or, oh, cool, you know, he played Sublime Epiphany. That wasn't the takeaway. For me, the takeaway was it was literally like, it was like a Mad Lib. I felt like my deck list was like a Simic in standard Mad Lib. Start off the deck with X number of accelerants, and then you just fill one in, and then, or you, you do a couple. And then it's like, okay, and uh, yeah, four, four Nissas, we definitely need those. And, okay, and then just insert, like, some other card advantageous Planeswalker. Okay, I guess I'll, I'll choose my Teferi for. Okay, that sounds good. Give me a little top end. All right, that's going to be uh, two Elder Gargaroths and two Sublime Epiphanies. Oh, and let's just throw in an Ugin. And the, the point I'm making was that I just felt like I could have literally put anything in that deck. It doesn't even matter. Literal Simic Trade Binder. It, it, it literally. It's just like, I just, just look through all your green and blue res and just decide like at each mana cost, like, oh yeah, that's standard playable. I saw that in a top eight deck. All right, put it in. All right, yeah. Oh yeah, I saw, you know, that one looks good too. Yeah, every rare and mythic has card advantage, is powerful, keeps you gassed. Yeah, Every it, single one. it just didn't matter, you know? I was like, sure, Brazen Borrower, love this card. It's great. It's always great. There's no matchup in which that card doesn't do something relevant. Sure, let's play it. And so, cool, I made Mythic. But to be honest, I just kind of felt a little dirty doing it. You know what I mean? Like, I just... <laughs> it was like, he says that like he's a naughty... Like he's a, 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 like he's a little naughty. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I may have I may have uh may have walked down the back alley to uh for about 5 minutes, but now I'm back here just good good wholesome wholesome magic player. I was playing these games and it just didn't it didn't feel fair, you know what I mean? I just I didn't fully feel like I'd earned the wins. And so I don't know. I we don't we can everyone knows how strong Simic is as a combination at the moment, but I just think that it, it gives you an idea of what's possible. And you just you know, you can't necessarily do that in any of these other color combinations. You have to really get your edges in your deck list. So you have to work for it. <laughs> you do, you do. You have to actually employ some artistry in the craft of your deck. Yeah, from a blue white or esper mage to a mono green mage, at least we work for it, unlike these dirty simic rampers. Just pick a splash color, right? Just any one. One of the other three colors. Toss it in there. It's gonna be fine. You you have cards available to you that are gonna win you the game. It's gonna be fine. Uh the gross spiral hydrate um crisis combo is a pretty interesting one about which card is better i think that the term powerful is a little misleading because i would say 100 percent it's like crisis has the higher power level but uh as far as like actually enabling your deck there's no doubt that gross spiral is a million times better without mana crisis is a, a baby doesn't do much <laughs> You know. Now, I got berated on the Spike subreddit for trying to make that same distinction. I was saying that there's a difference between like raw power level and applied power level. That's why I don't go to Reddit. They they would berate me for anything, any opinion I have. Well, that was it. And I was I was saying like, okay, yeah, Ugin is a much more powerful card than Robber of the Rich. But if Robber of the Rich kills you before you can resolve Ugin, then Robber of the Rich was, in that game, the more powerful card. This is one of the things that bothers me sometimes about these like ultra-technical magic discussions, is that I think like anyone can see that there are two different kinds of power being compared there. Yes, that is 100% right. Yeah, and so I just think that it's important to keep that distinction, because you can say Mono Red is the most powerful deck in the format if it wins the most... But no one's going to say, like, if you look at the Simic deck, no one's going to say that the average card in the red deck is comparable in power to the average card in the Simic deck. You know, there's just no card in the red deck that's going to be as strong on its own on the board as an Ugin. There's no card in the red deck that's going to be as strong on its own as a Nissa. So anyway, these are the different metrics that we use to to measure the power level of a, of a format. So I think that ultimately, Krasis and... Growth Spiral have very different kinds of power. And I think that where you get a successful deck is you get these cards with different kinds of power level, which add together to make a cohesive whole that does enact the plan. And hopefully your plan is a, is a better plan than more than 50% of your opponent's plan. So you can actually get ahead with your, with your win rate. The real power is taking the cards that have different types of power and putting them together, a.k.a. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Power or Voltron <laughs> for the boomers, you know? <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right, well, I think that we've, we've spent enough time talking about Magic Theory for one episode. Let's just check in on the format a little bit. So... As we were saying, there hasn't been an incredible amount of switch up or churn at the top tables. We, As far as I know, there aren't any super exciting new archetypes on the ladder. This, this is a trap. The, you, this, you are setting a trap because only one thing is different between last <laughs> oh, week oh, really? and this week. 
Oh yeah. What, what could it this be? This is this is entrapment. I'm gonna make you bring it up. <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna push me through it. Okay, okay. The the one thing that is different between last week's meta and this week's meta is Mono Green seems to have found widespread acceptance and respect. Um I my headphones just cut out that CGB. I, I didn't quite catch what you just said. Could would you mind repeating that for me? No. He's like, Never. one and done, baby. <laughs> one and done, baby. Okay. You'll get the audio file later. <laughs> <laughs> the audience knows what I said. So, was it Crokey's? Was it Crokey's? I think that it honestly started with, uh, like, the first place where I really felt like they were seriously talking about the value of Mono Green and its place in the meta was, I heard it on Bash Bros podcast with Corey Baumeister talking about it and Brad Nelson basically buying in and being like, yeah, I guess I can buy that. I believe that. And then the next thing I knew, I saw Crokey's playing it. I think that was like Wednesday, something midweek. Had a huge run. Got, got to number four Mythic. Went like something like 20 and four, some absurd number playing the deck. Um, Willie Adel was somebody who posted, I think, the initial list uh, on Twitter after doing well in a qualifier the weekend before. And yeah, now now everybody is on mono green, like it's the hotness, like it is the just the new hotness. Is mono green tier one? Is the clickbaitiest thing to say on Twitter this week? And uh, I I wonder who asked that question on last week's podcast. Yeah, yeah, you were ahead <laughs> of it, but it's also one of those broken clock <laughs> is right okay. twice a day metaphors. Okay. All right. <laughs> if you say it every week, but hey, 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 I'm totally fine with you taking a victory lap. I want you to have fun because it probably won't, you know, it only happens <laughs> once or twice a year. Don't, don't get used to it, Arjuna. Don't get used to it. Well, to be to be fair, this like you you weren't going to rub it in my face too much, but I thought it would be wrong if we didn't talk about it on the podcast <laughs> because you you have earned it with your steadfast devotion to green. Yeah, my mono green devotion deck. Well, I just you know, and I'm looking at the day one results from the latest Red Bull Red Bull Untapped tournament, uh, the Russia one, and I'm seeing sixth place mono green aggro, and then tenth and eleventh place mono green aggro. So the list is continuing to just put up some consistent results. Now, obviously, we don't have like a top eight yet, but yeah, we're just we're seeing this deck in the top eights, in top tens. Whereas, like, I keep going down the list and we don't get to, like, a Rakdos sacrifice until 13th. All right, hold on, hold on. We're going to play a game with this. All right. We're going to play a game with this on the fly. You do not get, you do not get to, like, waver on this. So you don't get to, like, explain all your choices too much. You got to give me one word answers. Okay. All right. And then you can reflect on it. Like, I might say why. If I say why, you can reflect that. But otherwise, I want a one-word answer. Okay. Can you handle that? This, this might be the hardest thing I've ever asked you to do in your life. All right. <sighs> Got to... Okay, get ready. Get ready. <sighs> Pump myself up. Pr- drink a little Red Bull. All right, here we primal go. Might, primal Might or Ram Through? He is, he can, oh, he wants to say 50 words. You can see it in his face. Oh, my God. I just want them both, man. Ah, ah, he already, he didn't make it through one. He didn't make it through one. 
All right. All right. Got him. Got him. Got him. Got him. Primal might. You got it. So I can do a little gloating and you can do a little gloating. Let's go with primal might. Okay, cool, man. Cool. That that's I just wanted to see if you could handle that. <laughs> if you could actually one word answer that. <laughs> Was that it? Oh, uh I can do some more. Vivian Arcbo Ranger or Garrick. Vivian New Garrick. Times ten. Nissa who shakes the world or uh five mana Vivian? Nissa. And I Bar- Okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay go ahead no 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 go ahead go ahead i what just want to say that again i don't want to gloat about this but i actually championed i actually championed the five man of vivian back when i was first brewing in in the ikaria format and i'm sorry the uh the nissa over the vivian and i still think okay. it's the correct choice and yep to be honest it's i think in these decks for me it's not even the mana although the mana does come up and it helps but for me it's the haste dude it's it's haste that's that's what really gets it for me crawl harpooner or wildborn preserver preserve a hundred percent barkai troll growth chamber guardian troll all right those were my that's what i got for you i mean i have strong opinions about this the real truth is again i think that you can do a certain amount of just like mono green binder when it comes to these decks like what we're seeing is that people are succeeding whether they play harpooner or guardian or preserver or troll it's kind of like take your pick likewise with the planeswalkers you know people seem to be having success with you know it's just like put three or four good green planeswalkers in your deck you're probably going to be fine i would probably say that the five mana vivian is the weakest of the choices so I might avoid that one. And I and it also seems like in the wake of Yori and Luca not really being a deck anymore, the uh three mana Vivian, is it champion of the wild? Has basically been deprecated. She's not super relevant anymore. So I would skip that one. But like, you know, you can play four mana Vivian, Nissa, Garrick. Basically it's your heart's content. Is that are are we good? Mono green corner achieved. I think I think it's achieved. I just yeah. I think we can just all accept that Mono Green is a top tier deck in the format, and we can all sleep well at night knowing that. <laughs> all right, feels good, man. Feels good. The guy is glowing. Like if you could see this, if if we had viewers for this podcast, he is just radiating right now. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know, it's one of one of my deepest pleasures on this podcast has been like picking out these edge case decks and then seeing them make the ascension. It was so satisfying to watch Aaron Gertler take down that format with his, you know, with his team adventure deck after I'd been championing it for months. Mm-hmm. It's just it's one yeah. of one of the satisfying things in magic, I think, is like identifying an underdog and then just believing in it and watching it do the rise, you know. I agree. Like it's been really inspiring to me to watch cards that are blue and white, uh, mostly named to fairy, just slowly, <laughs> surely, with plenty of time on their side, take over formats, create tilt and shame scoops. It's it's so fun, you know, to identify a card nobody else thinks is good, and then it turns out that it is good, and people hate it. It's just so nice. You're a real hipster, CGB. <laughs> You know, you liked those cards before they were cool. <laughs> All right, so one of the um one of the interesting things that I've been noticing about this format is just that 
I was looking through, I basically just pulled up the set M21 on Scryfall and I was just looking through the cards to see what felt relevant to me to talk about. And I scrolled through the entire red section and I basically couldn't pick a single card from M21 in red that I felt like had mm. made a really sizable impact on the standard format. Yep. Are, are there any that are in your mind whatsoever? Like, am I missing anything, CGB? You're not missing anything. There's a there's a couple of memers, you know. People are going to try Cavalcade with Chandra's Pyroling, and they're going to try Burn with Chandra's Incinerator. Those decks lose to decks that don't suck. You know what it feels like? I feel like the red in this format seemed emblematic of a future standard that they're going for. I don't know. No, man. You Okay, I'm going I want you to finish your thought, but right away I my my first instinct is that this red is bad red, but go on. I I think I know what you're going to say. Well, it's I'm I'm not saying that it's they called it correctly, but when I look at the all of these cards in in this red set, especially for standard, it just looks like they're they're attacking on certain axes that clearly Wizards thinks should be good or maybe will be good. And certainly if they give enough support to the archetypes, they will eventually be good. I mean, I agree with you in that from where we sit right now, the outlook doesn't look great. You know, from everything that we've come to understand about how standard works these days, it doesn't look great. Do you have an example? Like, uh, just... To kind of guide the the listeners of something like that? Yeah, sure. Okay, I think that the Chandra's Incinerator is actually a really good example. Because that's a card which, again, it's objectively powerful. Like, you look at it and you just think, yes, that card has potential, right? There's a lot that could go right with that deck. That's the kind of card which, if you can get it out quick enough, it could really take over a game. But... It just, it's not obeying any of the rules that we've come to understand are currently good in standard. And so for a card like that to be good, we just have to have different things need to be good. And I think there's been an emphasis on burn in this red set and burn has not been good in standard. I think you're right. I think you're right. You know, like if we had lightning bolt in standard, which of course everyone's, you know, well, not everyone, but a lot of people talk about having a card like Lightning Bolt and Standard and how that wouldn't be too good, which is a whole nother soapbox in either the A or nay direction. But if we had cards like Lightning Bolt in the format, you could really consider cards like Chandra's Incinerator. So that's just one example. Yeah, uh, I, I do want to throw out that Chandra's Incinerator is really good against exactly one deck, and that is Monograin. Uh, okay, yep, yep. <laughs> but, but it does mean that your deck is full of burn spells that are terrible for the most part against mono green. Like, yeah. Like, have, try to burn a Lovestruck Beast. It's fun. It's really cute when they try. It's so adorable. <laughs> uh, I, so, so anyway, that, that was my thought. I mean, I think I agree with you. My, my outlook isn't bright on it. But I mean, who knows? Maybe they just... It was kind of like you were saying uh, in the previous episodes where like if they want a thing to be viable, they'll just keep printing it. You know, it's like if they want blue red spells to be a thing, they're going to support it and it's going to be that way. It's like sometimes Wizards gives us tastes of that and then we never get that. And then other times they actually deliver on it. Like remember when Simic sucked? Like Simic was so bad in standard for so long. It was like it was a joke. People forget that. 
it just it had not been good for years and years and years and years and and literally someone in wizards was like we are going to make simic great again and did they ever <laughs> like did they ever deliver on that promise if you go back to the spoiler season for i believe guilds of ravnica was the first one of the three ravnicas the the, re- the latest return to the ravnica mm-hmm. block there was a lot of memes going around and a lot of talk where it's like, oh, Demir is going to be great. And, you know, like this guild is going to be great. This guild is going to be great. Oh, but then there's Simic. Like literally everybody was basically laughing at Simic all through spoiler season, even when they revealed Hydroid Crisis. But um, Simic has had the last laugh now for about a year, ever since Nyssa started shaking the world. And there was some good soul tie before that, you know, where Black was carrying things, but... Simic has been laughing at us for a while. So uh, that 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 was to talk about red. I feel like the current red identity is that I think that Wizards wants the Cavalcade deck to really be a thing, but Cavalcade is rotating, mm-hmm. and red is definitely losing its heart and soul, its mana cheats, and its card draw in the uh, loss of Light Up the Stage and Runaway Steamkin with rotation. So it's still going to have Embercleave and Torbran. So I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to see what happens to Red. I, I, I think it needs a boost in the next set. And I hate saying that because you know Red is my nemesis. But I, I am kind of concerned right now about Red. I think that we will see within a year, I think we'll see Lightning Strike or something very equivalent. Mm, yeah. And I think we're going to see a premier red two drop no more this snoop two mana two two i think we're going to see like two red for something along the lines of a three three or a four three with some little drawback but Mm. something has to give red an early game identity i would agree with that yeah i would agree with that especially since they're just they're losing a lot we we have strong top end cards we have anax torbran embercleave maybe the phoenix even though i'm not that stoked on the phoenix we have the more expensive, powerful cards that make a red deck tick, but we're going to be losing a lot of the cheap, good ones. Yeah. Which which of your three mana or more red cards would you like to play against Uro? <laughs> exactly. Go on. I'll wait. <laughs> exactly. You know, we have like we have like Robber of the Rich is good. That's it's a good card. It's not that the red deck's going to get gutted, but I totally agree with you. Like, we just, we need something. Like, we need something, and M21 did not give it to us. So that was just a little aside on that. All right, are you in the mood for a quick gas or ass, CGB? Are you going to throw it back at me? Do I have to give the no explanation, one word answer? See if I can do you it? You know, I'll I'll be nice about it. That That's the template, all right? That's the okay. template. But, okay. you know, feel feel free to discuss. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Gas or ass? Sublime Epiphany. Gas. I'll give a gas too. But what we said about it before, it doesn't matter what your six mana play is. Still true. But I mean, as far as like having like five or six modes on a card and it's blue and it's an instant, how could that not be gas? Yeah. And something that people forget is that you don't have to cast this in response to someone's spell or ability. You can actually just main phase it and get a lot of value out of it and win a game. So don't be afraid to do that. All right. Next card, Elder Gargaroth. Gas. Gas. Because it gives sideboard options 
to decks that didn't have them before. Um, Simic Flash being like one of my favorites, where this is a place where now Simic Flash can go grow spiral into like ambush or mystic rewind or something, and then tap out for Gargaroth the next turn against a red deck or a green deck and have a big advantage. Whereas before they're just too far behind and nothing they did really mattered. Having a Bane Slayer type card that can take over a green over a game in the color green brings it to a whole other slew of decks that never wanted to play white. Although I think that's bad for white. I think that says something bad about white, to be honest. Poor white. Still, still struggling. Solemn Simulacrum. Ass. Yeah. Uh, I was more excited about this, but the more I've played with it, the more my cards just aren't powerful compared to what my opponent does. And it makes me angry. I'm the same. I was I was ready to go gas on Solemn Simulacrum, and it has actually not impressed me. So, sorry, robot, you'll stay sad. How about Demonic Embrace? Gas. You give on it- a region. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is straight. This is straight gas. You're a buyer. I'm a buyer in so many. Like, if my deck has black and doesn't want to win a game that takes like turn five, turn five or longer, then. Yeah, uh, I, I'm using it in Rakdos. Have you put Demonic Embrace on a Dreadhorde Butcher? <laughs> I have not done that particular oh, thing. Oh my god. <laughs> it's a, and, and what? They kill the Butcher. They took five the turn before. They take six from killing the Butcher. And then you just put the Embrace on your cat. And you attack them for four more. If they're not dead, what are they doing? Right? I, it's, it's disgusting. This is like an R amps go to 11 kind of a moment. <laughs> it, yes, all amps go to, this one goes to 11. <laughs> this amp, it's better. It goes loud. It's 11. All right. Oh, sorry. My bad spinal tap impression. Boomers. Boomer identified. I love it. This this is the first one I'm going to break with you on. I agreed with you on all the rest, but I think Demonic Embrace is ass. I don't think it's going to withstand the test of time. It could just be that I've been playing decks on the ladder that have a lot of interaction, but after crushing Demonic Embrace decks with Mono Green and then crushing these decks with Simic, which is a very, very different strategy, I don't know. I haven't been impressed. So it's it's two unfair comparisons because what has been tilting me about playing against Mono Green with my Demonic Embrace deck is that every freaking thing has reach for no reason. Gem Razor, Gem Razor has no reason to have reach. Stone Coil Serpent, why the heck does this have reach? How the heck does it get in the sky? It's a freaking snake. How does it reach the sky when it's a 1-1? Makes no sense. Stupid. Absolute garbage. All right? Demonic Embrace should still be great. Second thing, Simic. The only way they interact is by bouncing stuff. Of course, that's tough for an aura. Since when did bounce have to be the way it is? All right, so anyway. so flawed, flawed sample size then. Flawed sample size. We've also identified a few of CGB's buttons here. You know, I think reach in mono green is to you as Elspeth Conker's death is to me. It's just a head, head explodingly feels bad. Why, the, why <laughs> do they do this? Stupid. Why do we have to it's wait? It's just stupid. This? Why, why have flying on cards if they can just be blocked by big ground idiots? Why? No point. Where's, I need stratospheric flying. I need double flying so yeah. I can fly over the creatures that shouldn't be able to reach my flyers anyway. I should be able to put demonic embrace on a creature with a demonic embrace so that now that there are two demons hugging it, it should be able to go over the stupid go. snakes on the ground. That make no sense. Double, yeah. Now, so now we have to count flying, right? So like, yeah. Anything, like the thing with the most flying gets through, right? 
Is that how yes. it works? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Love it. Same with trample. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super trample. All right. Let's let's keep it moving along here. Eliminate. Ass. I'm with you. Spot removal still bad. Yeah. It's still bad. And the three mana planeswalkers that you would target all gain value the second they play them. So you're fighting a losing battle. Yeah. It's not good. With you. How about Archfiend's Vessel? Ass. Me too. I have seen plenty of opponents cast this card against me, never once lost to it. Yeah, I have not lost to the demon that I can remember, and like the setup is not worth it. Agreed. How about Lofty Denial? Gas. I actually think the blue-white and the mono, the mono blue kind of tempo decks might be reasonable best of one decks. Mm. If mm-hmm. as soon as as soon as mono red isn't like 30% of the meta and cat oven, like those two combined for like 30 some percent of the best of one meta. If, if they were a bit lower and you actually had to play a lot of tempo games and best of one, those decks would be pretty good. And lofty denials, easily the best addition that has been added. The sure kind of almost for sure counter spell. It can go with pretty much any flyer turns it on. Um, there is some nasty counterplay where it's like they cast Lofty Denial and you have three mana open and you use two of it to bounce their flyer and yeah. one to pay for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've done that to people. That's a nice one. It's it's a nice one. And it might actually be a reason to bring in spot removal against these decks or just more interaction because it's such a blowout mm-hmm. when you get to do that. Yeah. But I can see Lofty Denial having a really good place in the format for like punishing these greed decks because yep. if you have a bunch of cheap flyers and you have your Lofty Denials, you can kill their Teferis if you need to and your Lofty Denial takes care of all of their more expensive spells. So I, I think that's pretty sweet. How about, speaking of counter magic, let's talk about Rewind, Gas or Ass. It's gas in a deck that is ass. It's, it's the gassiest <laughs> card in the assiest deck. I spent time playing Simic Flash, and when you go Growth Spiral into Rewind slash anything else, like cycle the Typhoon, play an Ambusher, or anything, it is it, it feels unbeatable, and it often is. And especially if you untap the turn after that and then slam a Nissa. It's like, what 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 are we doing here? Um but that deck is that deck just folds to mono red and cat oven really hard. Agreed. It's it's just weak to all the things it ever was weak to still. I think that hasn't really changed. How about Kitesail Freebooter? I don't know. <laughs> um I'll go with ass. I, I I had higher hopes and I didn't find it as disruptive or useful as I expected it to be. I think it just reinforces the thing we've been saying all along, which is hand disruption just hasn't been good enough. Even even the two for one, even you staple a body to it, it's just still hasn't been good enough. Your opponent just still draws, they just top deck whatever, and, and they're off to the races. If I could embrace it for double flying, we'd be talking. Okay. You know okay. what I mean? But everything has freaking reach, laughs at my freebooter all game. Not even fair. And I will say this, I wanted to try it in like a demure tempo-y thing, but it can't work there because the best thing to do with that deck is mutate and it's a human and i didn't expect that to be such a drawback but it is you know you have like like 59 cards in the deck and one human and i swear that human's going to be the one freaking card you want to mutate onto every game oh (laughs) yeah yeah just tell me more about cunning night bonder keep talking to me 
You know? I, what, what a, a stupid shame, card. Right? What a disaster. Dirge Bat was almost playable. I couldn't agree more. And I was Mutate so powerful they had to put a restriction on it? I really don't think it was in retrospect. I mean, it had to compete with Companion. And Oko. And Oko. <laughs> Come and freaking, on, guys. Yeah. Crank it up. Crank it up to 11. I, I don't know. I, like, I think even if they didn't have that restriction, it might still not be playable at this point in standard. So, yeah, missed opportunity there for sure. Let's talk about Village Rights. Gas or ass? Gas. Gas. Yeah, good just job. more play magic forever. They get rid of your oven. They get rid of your woe strider. They think they're safe from claim the firstborn. Nah, I'm just going to draw two cards after slapping you with your own creature. And uh, I've been impressed with this card. I, initially, I was just sacrificing the first thing I could. But it's not a huge price to leave mana available and just wait for something bad to be about to happen to your creatures because they have to respect them. They can't let they can't let priest and mayhem devil sit there. They will die to those cards, so they have to do something to them. And like usually, it's just one black draw two cards if they were going to kill your creature anyway. Yeah, it's a massive tempo swing. Claim your creature, village writes it. That's like a two mana play that just generates an insane amount of card and tempo advantage. So you probably need like over 25 creatures to run four. Mm. Just unless you're running a like you should probably run four claims. And if you're running active trees and stuff like that on top of it, maybe you can get away with it. You do not want to look at a hand of like priest of forgotten gods, village rights, village rights, witches of in three land like that. That hand isn't going to work out the way you want it to. No, no, indeed. And it, it highlights the variance of those decks, because when those decks are firing, they feel unstoppable. But sometimes they just get oven flooded or they just draw the wrong side of the equation and it's kind of laughable. Yeah, so so you have to be really disciplined in building those decks with how much of those enabler cards you're willing to run. Like, I'm not willing to cut oven and I'm not willing to cut claim. So when you have these other cards like Call the Death Dweller and cards like Village Rights that work with your synergy but aren't good with certain draws, you can't just slam four of them and call it good. Like... You really have to have the discipline to run these in one of, two of numbers. Agreed. I totally agree. Side note as well, um, if you're going to play one of these sacrifice decks in Standard, I highly, 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 highly recommend that you reread Scavenging Ooze. I I've, was playing green on the diamond ladder, and I cannot tell you how many times I just insanely blew out these sac Mono decks. Mono green stories boring well okay this is selesnia <laughs> to be honest but but read that card whatever you're doing right stop what you're doing read scavenging ooze you will be better for it in this standard format don't cast your freaking call the death dweller if your opponent has their screws and open man it's just not going to work out for you all right next on the list cultivate that's gas I, I can't make up my mind. I was higher on it during our set review and like in the first week of the format. And as time has gone on, I'm, I'm kind of down on it. It's another one of those cards that if you're running four of, you better have a really good reason. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of or two of. Like it's it's a, a sidekick with grazers and arrows. There are some extreme ramp decks and you can get away with it to an extent in best of one that are like four cultivate, four Uro, four growth spiral, four mm. arboreal grazer. And cultivate does keep those decks humming. But 
you just don't want to live in a world where you draw two grazers, three cultivates, three lands, one spell, like say Anissa, it gets ECD'd, and now you sit there drawing crap for the rest of the game, right? So you've got to be disciplined. You've got to have obviously the hydrate crisis, but other ways to keep the deck like running, keep the engine going. I'll say this, and because I was I was on the delivery side of this, I played against a couple cultivate decks on the ladder, and I always seem to have access to like a mystical dispute or to ether gust. And when when your ramp opponent taps out on turn three to cast cultivate, and you disrupt it, they basically lose on the spot. I love your stories of I was on ladder and I had exactly the thing in the matchup that I wanted. And my goodness, do people need to understand how 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 fun it is to defeat people well, for playing these cards? <laughs> well, here's here's the thing, right? I mean, okay, you can roast me all you like, but no, no, that's it's fun. Let's keep playing this game. It's very real to try to decide whether you want to counter your opponent's aura, right? Like that's yes. a that's a tough choice. It is. And you you also have to be pretty on the ball if you're going to get someone's growth spiral as well. Like you can do it, but it's like you got to really you got to really have it, right? But it's not that hard to get them on turn three when they tap out to cast their cultivate. So that's just like that's one of the things about it. It's like the most expensive and easiest to disrupt ramp spell. So I just like that. That's what I wanted to point out with that. If we're comparing blowouts, have you ever had a three-mana Ashiok on the battlefield and had your opponent cast Cultivate? Oh. <laughs> Cringe. That's nasty, my friend. Cringe. That is nasty. I, I, I like the way you think, CGB. I don't like playing against you, but I like the way you think. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, we're almost to the end of our list here. Let's talk about uh, Gasseras, Garrick's Harbinger ass yeah you're on the gas side i said ass oh you said ass all right all right <laughs> such a green mark i guess we know where you're at no i <laughs> I, I literally just misheard you i'm also on the ass oh, okay. side uh, rounding out the list maze mind tome ass i know he says begrudgingly. i'm sad the problem with maze mind tome is when is not when you have it on turn two And it's not when you have it in a long game where nobody's clearly advantaged. It's everything in the middle. Mm. And Mm -hmm. this format taxes those those mid-turns where if anybody gets an inch, they can just take over the game. That snowball. Like, people call it a snowball format all the time. You know what I'm talking about. They play Nyssa. They untap a land. They hit you for three. If you don't do something about that Nyssa, they're going to do it again. You have four lands going into five available to you you untap you draw your card is maze mind tome you play it you tap two and you draw a card you play your land and you pass even if you drew Elspeth freaking Conquer's Death for next turn, they're going to untap with Nyssa. They're going to make another 3-3. Three, three. They're going to hit you for 6. 9 damage total now. And they might play a Hydroid Crisis and draw 50 cards. Approximate. <laughs> like, it, you just... It's those mid-turns. It's that, what do I do with my Maze Mind Tome on turn 
four, five, six, seven, when the opponent is running away with a game, and I'm just hoping that my card does something, and it does nothing, and it's mana intensive. It's That's why Maze Mind Tome turned out to be ass. It's not because it's bad on turn two, it's not because it's bad on turn ten, it's because of the way the format is made up, and the middle, the way that the middle of the game works. Couldn't agree more. It's not Ixalan anymore, you know? We're just... True. It's been a while since we went to the shores of Ixalan. And it shows. All right. Well, I mean, that's the end of the gas or ass segment. And I think that that probably puts the cherry on it for the show as well. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts for us about this standard before we wrap it up this week? Not like about the standard specifically. I think that mono green is a very impressive deck that people are starting to respect and one of the funniest things I saw in a long time was earlier today when Crokies playing mono green came up against a deck with Blight Beetle in the main. Taste it. I have never seen the angriest streamer I have ever seen. <laughs> um, if you're looking for it, go to the latest Crokies, the Crokies VOD from today, uh. which is uh, July 11th. Go to about an hour and 20 minutes into it. Hilarious content, but... I'm going to pat myself on the back a little for this one. I said nobody's trying to beat Mono Green because they haven't had to. Mm-hmm. If they do, mm-hmm. oh, just watch this little uh, Blight Beetle. Oh, watch what it does. I'm going to tell you a quick Blight Beetle story. This is a true story. I had the pleasure of playing Magic the Gathering in a limited format, a limited two-headed giant format, against a person who designed Blight Beetle, employee of Wizards of the Coast. No way. I played the Blight Beetle. They played a card that puts a plus one, plus one counter on all the creatures you tapped to convoke it. Oh, snap. Got him! Even the person who designed the card, I got him! <laughs> it's a true story. That's a true story. That That is the ultimate moral victory right there. There's the ultimate moral victory, proving that even the gods at Wizard of the Coast are sometimes mere models. With that wonderful story, let's call this episode a wrap. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Arena Craft Podcast. You can find us on all of your favorite podcatchers. I highly recommend that you subscribe. You can listen to us on Spotify as well. And it's actually YouTube videos go out every week with the same audio. So if you prefer that format, you can catch us there. As well, you can catch CGB on his stream on Twitch every Monday through Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. You can also cast me sporadically streaming on Twitch if you would like to see that. And I even made an experiment and released a short video of one of my games on the YouTube channel recently. And I think I'm going to try to start doing a little bit more of that. So just make a little yeah, yeah. extra were, video Were you content. playing like some Esper Control or were you playing like uh, maybe some Mono Red? It, it what, wasn't, what, what it wasn't what, in that part of the color pie, I must say. What, 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 what deck? What, you know, if you're going to make a YouTube video, like what, 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 so, what deck you play? So what deck is, you play? This is what? hilarious because I called this the Mono Green Mirror match, but Mirror was in quotes because i was actually playing selesnia i i had this like 20 turn match against this other deck and i no 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 tease him tease Tease him him. all right all right tease him you will discover watching this video why i ended up calling this the mirror match in spite of running a selesnia deck versus a mono green deck 
So tune in to find that out and yeah, probably more video content in the future. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Have a good weekend, CGB, and I'll catch you next week. Later. Bye.